Okay, so welcome back to Movie Food, uh, episode number three. I don't know who's who's keeping count, right? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, three is a magic number, right? So um, so this should be a very magical episode. Yeah. And there's also a comedy rule of threes. Oh you know? yeah, and, that's right. And we're kind of talking about comedies in this oh yes exactly some of our Uh, favorite comedies so it kind of works out yeah yeah it's kind of a happy accident i feel like we didn't intend (laughs) this episode to be about these movies like we just kind of randomly put them together just because one had just recently come out and one was a movie that you wanted to talk about yes and yeah i didn't even realize that connection that's amazing and even just to start off, uh, so let's just roll into our quick cuts. Okay, wait. Before you get going, I have a. Mm-hmm. a I made an opening for quick oh. cuts. Okay, go ahead. Quick cuts. <laughs> That's brilliant. So it, it's short. It's sweet. Yes. It's quick cuts. Oh man, yeah, that's brilliant. That reminds <laughs> me so much of a uh, Crash in the Boys in uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Do you remember their uh-huh. song? Yep. That was yep. like, I'm so sad. <laughs> Amazing. I just love I love the fact that the one two three four one two three four is longer than the jingle. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like that's the longest part. Crashing the boys, man. Uh brilliant movie. Love it. So yeah, all right. So we've now segued into our quick cuts. And um I yeah, I wanted to bring up a comedy. So something I rewatched on Groundhog Day mm. was Groundhog Day. Yes. Yes. A classic. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, it still holds up, you know. Um, yeah. Many years later, yeah. And I mean, it's kind of become a tradition for me, even though I don't always watch it on Groundhog Day, but I try to. It has a kind of a holiday vibe anyway. You can even totally. watch it like during Christmas or Thanksgiving. A lesser celebrated holiday. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and yeah, great Bill Murray performance. Um, and, you know, Harold Ramis directed it, you know, R.I.P., you know, and, it, and that's what I was thinking about actually when I watched Ghostbusters Afterlife was just, man, Groundhog Day was so good. Yeah, <laughs> it's so good. So, yeah. What makes it good? Is it good because it's like made in that era where it seemed like people really cared about the way uh, the way a movie looked or the way it ended up? Uh, what was it about that period? Yeah, I was like more um, like uh, cognizant of that this view, uh, this viewing. Like this time around, I was just thinking about like, yeah, why why is this movie special? Like, why <laughs> you know? Because there there's been comedies bef- before and after starring Bill Murray, but this one really stands out because its idea is so original. You know, that's really one of the things that I think uh, is lacking these days. Is just there's not that many original ideas anymore for comedies. You know, comedies are usually remakes or as we're going to be talking about with one movie that recently came out, it's a sequel. So, you know, um, so a a unique like concept as Groundhog Day, like, you know, everybody even refers to it now as as the Groundhog Day, like trope. The Groundhog effect. Yeah. 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 When people talk about it, it's like they're referring to this movie because Groundhog Day was never about like reliving the same day over and over again. Groundhog Day is about knowing when spring is about to come. Mm-hmm. And and just in a weird coincidence, just like in the movie this year, um, uh, Punxsutawney Phil saw his shadow, so it's going to be another six weeks of winter. Okay. We're counting down. Good. <laughs> Although right now here in Southern California, it's already summer. Yeah, we had, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we had 80, right. an 80 degree day today. So <laughs> oh, 
That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, Groundhog Day. Yeah, it's the first kind of like looping movie that that I can remember, and and mm-hmm. I think the the last one was Palm Springs. That's oh yeah, last- yeah, that uses the Groundhog Day um like uh, structure as well. Yeah, that looping effect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and I enjoyed that movie as well. And and so. I for, I forget like in the movie. They're playing it straight, right? Like mm-hmm. Bill Murray, he's he's not playing it like super goofy or over the top, right? Um, yeah. There's a certain points where he's, uh, I guess, he's uh, coming to terms with the absurdity of his situation. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. one of the biggest laughs in the movie is when he punches out Ned Ryerson. You know, <laughs> Ned, <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, for the most part, uh, mm-hmm. it, it it's sarcastic, Bill Murray, you know, but uh-huh. not to the level yet of like Wes Anderson, Bill Murray, or right. Sofia Coppola, Bill Murray. So totally. Um, okay, so another quick cut is I uh, rewatched um, Licorice Pizza in the theater. So this is my third rewatch now. Ooh, on on episode three, we got that. Yeah, exactly. Three. Again, yeah, number three, and it. I think this is the most I've rewatched a movie and been in the same theater as well like it's been playing in the same theater um like the same screen at the amc that's near me so every time i've booked it it's just in that same screen (laughs) it's just been playing since it came out like after thanksgiving so uh yeah it still holds up as well um started noticing some some details that i missed before but i don't really want to spoil it for people who still haven't seen it but yeah uh, it's like what you said like um uh, PTA seems to be trying to keep it in the theater for as long as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're at the beginning of February now, and it's still in theater, so it's great. That's exciting. That's yeah, exciting. Yeah, I'll probably make it out at some point in the springtime. Oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely go see it. Yeah, and I mean, it is a great theatrical experience yeah. too. So, yeah. Um, and just a couple of um, I'm just gonna ring off a few titles that I've I've been rewatching. So I I rewatched Reprise, which is the the first film of uh Joachim Trier, who made the uh the worst person in the world, one of my favorite movies of last year. So I went back and watched his first film, mm. and yeah, it's it it's great too. Like I think I was too young to really appreciate it when I was uh when it came out. I think originally it got its theatrical release in America like in 2008 and I remember it was highlighted in an episode of Ebert and Roper and I was like oh okay I I should watch this like the the trailer just looked really flashy and I was kind of disappointed that the movie wasn't as flashy as the trailer was like um uh there are moments in it though you know because I mean that's what I've been gathering from Joachim Trier's style other than um Oslo um like most of his films have these moments where it's just like brilliant cinematically like he's trying to pull off some sort of um, you know, innovative trick, uh, oh. and uh, yeah, there are moments in reprise, but it, it's really more about like you know maturing and kind of coming to terms with you know your craft and how to deal with fame and you know being recognized for your work and how to follow up something that's so good. It's like yeah. you know, and I think it was a lot of his concerns about being a creative filmmaker too. So oh. yeah, it's brilliant. Um, good. I. Yeah, I also rewatched uh, Adventures of Tintin, which is one of my. <laughs> I, I I am a big Tintin fan, so oh. you know, um, yeah. And this is one of the movies that I I skipped in the theater, which I regret now. Uh, I really wish I had yeah. seen it when it was playing in theaters. But there was just a period in my life when I was in New York, 
where um I didn't really watch many um blockbusters in the theater. Like when I would pay for movies, I would only watch like art films, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, because yeah, film tickets were expensive. It's not like today where we now have like these um subscription services where basically you can get like AMC A list where you know you get to watch three uh, movies a week. And you just pay like a set price, you know, yeah. or like movie pass when that existed was amazing, you know, for that one year that it was like $10 a month. Oh, my God. It that's, was incredible. That's crazy deal. Yeah. 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 So and I, I heard movie pass maybe making a comeback. There's like some sort of announcement coming up. So I don't know. We'll see. Okay. But um, the thing that I just wanted to highlight about Tintin was just um, my favorite Spielberg opening credit sequence used to be catch me if you can like the opening credits of that is just amazing like sometimes i still put it on youtube to rewatch, but then i watched this and i was like wait a minute this is actually better like i think um the opening credit sequence of adventures of tintin um <laughs> Which, is just uh, yeah and what year was uh this one made i think it was 2011 i'm not Dang, positive man. but yeah it was definitely in the early 2010s um and I, I think also because I was such a Tintin fan, um, I was initially I, I was hoping that Spielberg was actually going to make a live action version. So I was a little disappointed that it was CGI. Yeah. And then on top of that, like I didn't like the look of Tintin. I still it still kind of bothers me. I'm not a big fan of how Tintin looks in the movie. Yeah. Like it's just they were trying for this, you know, photorealistic, uncanny valley look. Whereas, you know, it's just ironic, like in the after the opening credits, like there's a an artist who draws a portrait of him and it, it looks more like the Hergé um, uh, illustration. I was like, man, yeah, they, they could have just gone with that, like something simpler. But yeah, the opening credits of Adventures of Tintin, uh, Secret of the Unicorn, I think is the subtitle. It has a very long <laughs> title because um, it's based on one book. of the books. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The opening credits is great. And, you know, even like John Williams' score is very different from his usual scores that he does. Um, so, yeah, I rewatched that. Uh, another movie that I'm actually going to add to my 2021 20, uh, best of is Records oh. by Alan Zweig. I'm not yeah. sure if I'm pronouncing his last name right. Zweig or Zweig. Um, so I'd seen his, um, his first documentary called Vinyl, which came out. Uh, more than 20 years ago, like in 2000, which was just him kind of lamenting his his record collecting. And obviously that's near and dear to my heart because as you know, but probably our listeners don't know, I'm, I'm a big record collector. So, um, but not like these people who are featured in these documentary, like the, these guys are like hardcore. Yeah. Like they're, you know, they're, they're racking up like in the thousands, like they're, you know, four or five digit collections. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm only in the three digits. So <laughs> that's pretty good. That's still pretty good. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting there. I mean, I, I don't want to, but like, it's kind of inevitable. Like it's going to happen, but it'll happen at this point. You want to shout out your record Instagram? Sure. Yeah. If people want to follow my record Instagram, if you like records and vinyl, I, I listen to different genres and I like highlight them actually this week. I'm doing a theme where um, uh, it's related to Valentine's or Singles Awareness Day. So I'm, I'm posting singles every day that are like love songs or love I lord like, songs. I like uh, that. Yeah. That's key. Yeah. I already kicked it off yesterday with um, Fell in Love with a Girl by uh, White Stripes. So what I do is I post a photo of the record and then I post like a one minute sample of the song. Yeah. 
uh, which is not really the best way to listen to it, <laughs> but like at least you know people get yeah. to hear it. I, I mean, honestly, I I think it's a beautiful use of Instagram. Mm-hmm. Like when it first came out, I think why everyone kind of loved it and gravitated towards it was because everyone was posting relatively interesting photos at first, and so like the feed was really clean, and everything was just trying to convey an idea or a nice photo or you know, right. And then eventually it turned into just full bore social media where everyone's sharing everything. Yeah. But what I like about your your record thing, it still has that clean look where it's like you're you can clearly get the idea, you see mm-hmm. the record, you see the art, and you can kind of appreciate it without all the kind of added hullabaloo of social media, you know. Right. Yeah, and I, I mean I also tried to to do a little like write up about the record, you know, yeah. of, like what its significance was to me, you know. Just personalize it as well. So it's not just me. Because I know, you know, I being part of peripherally that community, I follow some of the other record accounts. Like some people just post the record with a photo and a bunch of hashtags and then that's it. Like, you know, I I like knowing the personal significance and that ties back to the documentary because, I mean, the central, I guess, question or quandary of of both documentaries is like, why do you collect? You know, it's like, is it for the music or is it um, because you just want that physical item? And, you know, it, it yeah. produces several answers because it, a lot of people who just say they collect for the music, they're lying, obviously. It's not yeah. just because of the music. You want that physical item in your hands because, you know, obviously, like, the, there's all these arguments about what sounds better and, and all of that but you know even personally for me i would say that yeah i would uh, there's definitely streams or even downloads that sound better than than records but i like it because of the physical object or even like the experience of you know laying the record down and placing the needle yeah. onto a groove like that you know all of that stuff the artwork you know looking at it mm-hmm. um so yeah it's just interesting the contrast between the two movies like you know 20 years apart and it is personal, you know, because Alan Zweig himself is a record collector. And that's one of the reasons why he he did the documentary was just yeah. to, to kind of introspect about that. But, it, you know, it contrasts because if um, vinyl is about kind of the depression <laughs> over collecting, uh, records is more, I think, affirming and kind of uh, there's a lot more positivity, I think, in, in, in records. And it's a great follow up to the first one because there's a lot of record collecting documentaries out there. But I think Zweig's one really has an edge because of how personal it is and and the different people that he interviews. I mean, he's he's interviewed some really like fascinating people, mainly in the Canadian scene. But I like how he um it's it just it touches upon like so many different nuances of record collecting especially like that obsessive thing of of buying more than one copy of a record right. or collecting all the records that are by one artist yeah <laughs> like right. that kind of ridiculousness um yeah yeah like do you have a sense of what that is like what is it when people you know get the same one over and over um, yeah, I mean, one of the his interview subjects actually says that like, oh, this is the only quibble I have about the movie, by the way, just my nitpick is that he doesn't identify who he's interviewing. Like he only gives a list of names of the people after the movie's over. And I'm like, I don't know who that is unless they're like a, a filmmaker that I know or Harvey Pekar or somebody like that who's like a well-known face I, I would know. But like the regular people, the regular folk that he interviews, I'm like, I would I would have liked to know what their names were. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... 
but yeah, there was one who brings it up that she says, well, yeah, I, I basically have OCD, you know, that's that's part of the reason okay. of like, you know, and then there's this idea of being a pack rat, you know, and I think yeah. personally what I've come to terms with, too, is because there's there's been a, recently like this whole idea of, you know, tidying up and, uh, you know, uh, getting rid of things that don't bring you joy, you know, like the Marie Kondo yeah. thing or clean your room, oh, Jordan yeah. Peterson thing. So, um, you know, I, I've, I've kind of uh, come to a head with that. And I've realized that, you know, part of my personality is that there is a little bit of a mess. Like if, if you just look around my room, like it, yeah. it, I have a sis- system, but to other people, this may look like a mess to them, you know? Yeah. So I've just kind of come to terms with that. And I accept it that like, you know, wherever I go, every room or place that I stay in will have like an element of mess in it, but not as bad as some of the people in, in this documentary, especially the first one. My God, that this guy who just had like shit, like all over the floor, like was just insane. Like he had to move like, See, he even had to actually move his records and his CDs from his bed so he could sleep at night. Like he was piling yeah. shit on. <laughs> like that's how crazy yeah. it was in vinyl. So yeah, but definitely oh. add that to my list. Uh, I don't think it's it's get gotten a proper release yet. Uh, there is like a a streaming copy from TV Ontario because they were like one of the producers of um okay. the movie. Um, but yeah, it, it's a great movie. So if if you get a chance to watch it, definitely check it out. Um, I also saw Robert Altman's Beyond Therapy, which is, um, yeah, it's a great movie. I'm a big fan of, of both Altman and Jeff Goldblum. So it was great to see them mm-hmm. collaborate on a movie together. And it has a great cast, but it's one of these films that are considered to be like a disaster piece. You know, like it was a commercial failure. Um, there's a lot of moments in it that are cringe that don't quite work. But that to me, that's all part of the charm of the movie. Yeah. You know? Uh so I, I loved it. And I can't believe that the Kino oh, Lorber re- released it on Blu-ray. Like, um, you know, because there's there's other Robert Altman movies that are in desperate need of a Blu-ray release, but this one has one. And I'm like, wow, that's such a strange pick for for a Blu-ray uh, release. But so for most people who watch it, they would think it's it's not good. Um, it has overwhelmingly like negative okay. reviews on on Letterboxd. Um, so yeah, I I definitely feel like uh, it's not a very popular pick amongst people, but it's it's one that I would definitely champion. Like okay. I mean, I don't know, I, I I'm I'm at the stage now where I you know I'm digging deeper into Robert Altman and just like all these little like um, I guess you want to call them B sides are are great to me. Like I love all of them. Like a perfect couple is another one that's really amazing that more people I think should see. Yeah. So um, can't wait to watch more. You are a true fan. Yeah. You don't just like his singles. You like the deep cuts. You like track six on the record. You, you sure. like track track nine. Yeah. Well, the irony is I actually prefer them over the the actual like A sides singles, <laughs> the hits. Yeah. Yeah. The hits. Um. I'm like I'm okay with most of Robert Altman's hits, but you know even the like now it's getting more love and recognition. Long Goodbye for the longest time that was a movie that was like a B side that hardly anybody saw. It was hard to find for for a, a moment in time, but um now everybody's praising it and they think it's great. But like for the longest time, that was like a, a Robert Altman B side that I really loved because 
Uh, you know, it's his adaptation of, of Philip Marlowe. He like sets it in modern day LA. And um, actually, this is a good segue for the next thing that I saw, which is going to be a teaser for a future episode. <laughs> so, um, uh, uh, yes, I, I was going to not say the title, but <laughs> sorry. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> spoiler alert. No, so uh, we're uh, just to kind of tease people, we're going to be doing an epic episode on Los Angeles and especially at Los Angeles movies specifically. Um, and I thought this was like a great kind of deep dive into LA and LA movies. Um, we're gonna be yeah. doing two movies. Um, Steve already mentioned uh, this movie called Twelve. Um, and I guess it's good to bring it up now. To um, it's sure. readily available on YouTube. So if you just look up uh, Lawrence Bridges Twelve, like it will show up, and it's a three and a half hour Los Angeles epic. <laughs> And it's it's incredible. Epic is right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I'm going to finish it. I'm going to try. <laughs> but uh, just to kind of tease, uh, just my initial reaction is just, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, I, I, I can't imagine anybody being indifferent to this movie. You know, it's like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, so, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely go into a deep dive of this movie and L.A. movies. Uh, but yeah, I was just thinking about that. It's just, um, you know, all these, these great filmmakers who have made like great LA movies and it's definitely up there for me. So, um, and yeah, then, I can't um, wait. Are we going to cover the other one you shared, which was LA plays itself? Los Angeles plays itself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, I, I just want to make the distinction to be, uh, it actually, it, once you see it, um, you'll know why it's called Los Angeles Plays Itself and not L.A. Plays Itself because there's oh, another right, yeah, movie yeah. called L.A. Plays Itself and that's a, a gay porn movie. So <laughs> don't confuse the two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, one is directed by Fred Halstead and the other one is by Tom Anderson. So Los Angeles Plays Itself, um, yeah. yeah, it's just an epic movie. Most people already know yeah. about it. Um, and yeah, it, it covers so much of LA. So that's why it's going to be great to like dive into it and talk about the different movies. Because part of the fun of that movie is, uh, you know, seeing all these different clips of LA. Seeing all the and, movies. Yeah, yeah, it's really yeah, good. It's, it's really hypnotic. Yeah. And yeah, we'll yeah. break that down. And that's also on YouTube, amazingly. <laughs> um, God bless it. And so hopefully the um the, the Tintin intro is on uh YouTube too. I'll check it out. Uh, I think so. Yeah, yeah, it should be. I mean, a lot of uh Spielberg opening credits are cuz I mean, yeah, it's it's a lost art now. Like a lot of movies don't have yeah. interesting opening credits anymore. Like it just goes into the movie or it has like um this is a, a very TV thing where it will just show the title and then the credits are are just kind of at the bottom of the screen as the scene is already playing out. You know, um, so it's kind of sad. Uh, I think, yeah, they, like you don't have those people anymore. I mean, before they used to have, they would bring somebody in specifically just to do all the credits. Like Saul Bass yeah. made a yeah. career out of that, you know. Um, so, yeah, uh, definitely check it out. Um, yeah. And then just one last thing for the, the quick cuts. Uh, you know, you mentioned it. We should give a shout out to our great designer of our logo yes. for um the pod um so caroline penny uh you're probably listening to this right now thank you for making our thank our logo thank you penny it's amazing it looks really good in yeah. your podcast app it pops up the color is the colors pop it looks so clean love it absolutely yeah so thank you for that thank you penny 
All right, and that has been. Good. <laughs> Good. <laughs> All right. So, um, I guess let's start off with the new movie. Yes. So you made it out to the theater opening night at did like did you go at midnight? Um. Yeah. It's a strange thing now. Like they don't have midnight screenings anymore. Uh, I just oh. noticed that. Like, basically, sometimes movies even start on Wednesday afternoon. <laughs> like the, you know, I guess it, it's this whole thing with box office now, where they want to get in so early, and then it still counts as the opening weekend. Uh, but yeah, it's just rare these days that you'll have a midnight opening screening. Like most of the time, opening screening will be noon on Thursday. <laughs> That's how it starts yeah. now. <laughs> oh, it's like a noon or afternoon screening. So I saw it at a reasonable time on Thursday night. And uh, my one regret, though, was that because uh, I just kind of stumbled upon it. It said Jackass Forever plus bonus content. And Ooh. I only discovered once I got to the theater that it was playing in AMC Prime. And for those not familiar, if you don't really go to the AMC theater, like AMC has different formats. So they have like the regular screening, which is the one that I went to. And then they have Dolby, which is like the super loud, like visually stunning kind of thing. And then uh, IMAX, obviously, which most theaters, by the way, is fake IMAX. If you just look it up like IMAX, there's only very few theaters that have the standard like measurements of an IMAX screen. Um, And then they have something that's in between Dolby and IMAX, which is they call Prime which I feel like oh. is louder than Dolby. Like you actually feel your your chair rumble. You know? <laughs> uh, but certain movies, like they don't really benefit from it. Like I saw um, Nightmare Alley in Prime and I was like, it didn't really <laughs> um, have any extra effect by being in Prime. But I discovered Jackass Forever was in Prime. And I was like, man, like I missed it. <laughs> so I just saw it in regular oh, like 2D. Ah. Yeah, because I'm... I'm wondering now, like the sound effects. I mean, it's still getting like a week long uh, run on Prime, so I still may go watch it again. It should be fun. Yeah, you mm-hmm. should go and compare. I'm sure if, if there's any like explosions or yeah, like that, right, um, yeah. There's a, there's a couple of explosions or explosive effects in the movie. Um, so I'm curious if if that makes any difference. But I I I think most of the impact of the movie is visual anyway. So whether you watch it in 2D or uh, yeah, I don't think this one is in 3D like the last one was. Yeah. So you saw it. I haven't seen it, but it's Jackass is one of those things where it's like I I I don't think we necessarily can can spoil it because like the whole thing is you have to see it to kind of even someone describing it isn't enough. Right. So you know, so it's like you know, you maybe don't have to describe it you know the whole way, but I, I don't necessarily think you you need to like avoid talking about some sure. of like, your favorite parts. Oh, no, no. Movie. I mean, yeah. I think a lot of the, the main like gags are in the trailer anyway. Um, so uh, right. it's just basically the explicitness of the gag, which is held back. And there's right. certain bits that you can't show in the trailer because uh, I think out of all the jackasses, this is the most like hard R rating jackass of them all. <laughs> like it really earns it. Oh, yeah, wow. because um. Uh, I, I, you know, I went back and watched the original trilogy and even, you know, the yeah. bits from the MTV show. And uh, yeah, they used to censor certain things, you know, like um, yeah. the, the big like kind of uh, deal in Jackass, the movie, the first one was that, oh, wow, now we don't have to bleep out the cursing, but they were still like censoring nudity. 
you know whereas right. here it's like it's all there like you see yeah. male frontal nudity like <laughs> rear nudity time, yeah like uh, yeah, yeah they're, they're not holding back at all in this movie and you know um i i i to reference another review it was just funny like to hear mark kermode saying how refreshing that was because you know usually it's female nudity that's front and center and here right. it's like yeah it's male nudity and you're getting to see it in like you know a five five story screen yeah <laughs> uh just like you know super close up and it's just man yeah. and you know obviously a lot of pain is being inflicted on <laughs> on people so yeah and you, you feel the pain like in this one i feel like um uh I'm I'm not normally one to like flinch or uh you know right. kind of look away but <laughs> for this one there were certain ones where I was just like man like oh god <laughs> yeah and I don't know I I'm I'm really curious of the female perspective not just because of you know the sure. what their perspective would be on the, the the nudity but also just um I guess yeah do they feel that pain too you know when they see all these things happening to these guys like is there like an yeah. empathic pain and then on top of that like do they even get it uh and then, this is not to say like oh it's going over women's heads and like you know they they won't understand how sophisticated jack has right. like, i just feel like the the bonding aspect of the movie is like these guys fooling around and it it does involve like hurting each other you know um right. well yeah, it does speak to it speaks to something. Mm -hmm. And it's something I've always kind of this is a, a question I've always had, even growing up as a kid, and definitely while Jackass was popping off in the nineties and mm -hmm. in the two thousands, is like, yeah, why why is nothing funnier than seeing a guy get hurt? <laughs> like I've seen a lot of stand up specials, I've I've gone to comedy shows, I've listened to a lot of comedy podcasts, et cetera, et cetera. But there's nothing funnier than than jackass at times. Yeah. Sometimes you know when they miss or they they don't get the right shot, you know it doesn't quite land. But if they get the perfect shot of someone getting hurt, is just it's it's the funniest thing. Yeah. And, and even in like society now, where, where videos go viral, right. you know, we're like, you know, like the video of the woman who's smashing the grapes. I think it's like for a, a television show. She's like stamping. She's like stomping her feet in like a bucket of grapes for like a news thing, and she falls over and she hurts herself. <laughs> like that gets like mil like millions. See, of views. I'm laughing about it, just hearing about it. I haven't even seen yeah. it. <laughs> so and, and 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 just like the right groin shot, you know, like on Instagram, <laughs> there there's a really popular feed called Nut Shots. That's just it's just like a just a ton of nut shots that have happened over the course of you know the last. 15 years wow and it's just like there's there's just something so funny about getting hurt and I, I can't explain why other than you it's maybe a situation where you know the person recovers mm -hmm. you know which is like classic for a, a groin shot because yeah. you know <laughs> you get the person you get the guy to kind of instantly kind of bend over make a face let out a noise like, like it's, it's always funny um but then, yeah, with Jackass, it's 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 also the anxiety. Mm -hmm. Like when you feel, like I like I I rewatched Jackass three, right? And there's a scene where Danger Aaron is getting his tooth pulled by a Lamborghini. Oh, 
yeah, I almost forgot about that one. Yeah. Oh my god! And so it's about the buildup, right? You you see Pontius and Ryan Dunn mm-hmm. tie you know a string around his tooth. He's sitting in the chair. He's kind of like about to not cry, but he's like having a ton of anxiety. He's freaking out. The car <laughs> takes off. The tooth rips, and he starts screaming. Mm-hmm. But you also know he's totally fine, right? But it's just it's it's the whole buildup. That's like that's what really what what separates Jackass from everything else. It's just like it takes you through that whole experience, mm-hmm. and you know ultimately they're okay. Yeah. But um, God, it's such a it's so thrilling. Yeah, and as a viewer. Yeah, and I think what you're you're bringing up is something that's just so I don't know in, intrinsic to us as humans. Like, I mean, this kind of comedy has been around since the silent era. I mean, Buster mm-hmm. Keaton basically put himself through so much danger and had so many injuries like i i hear this like crazy thing that he he broke almost every bone in his body you know just like performing all these stunts and the thing is you know obviously time has passed and it might not be as laugh out loud funny but i can still appreciate the the risk involved that buster keaton did and it's actually very beautiful because the way he frames these gags too um yeah it's like from from far away so you get to see it um you know and i you know there's that classic saying that you know comedy is basically far away tragedy is up close i'm i'm paraphrasing but you know it's it's yeah. like that and i was just also thinking like you know one of the first viral like youtube videos i don't know if you remember was this lady who um was in the back of a uh, like you know a bar and she falls through the trap door and like that's <laughs> Yeah, 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 you remember that video? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like one of the first like YouTube hits, and I just oh remember seeing that video, and I was like, man, you know. And it's completely silent too. There's no sound, and I think that's the beauty of Jackass as well. Like I was thinking about it, is just you don't have to speak the language. Like they don't even have yeah. to do the you know say the intros or whatever. It's just funny because it's visually like you oh you get what the gag is. You know you you know whether it's a stunt yeah. or a prank. You don't even need to explain it. Yeah. So, yeah. So I guess for this newest jackass, like, was there any stunts that stood out or or any or any of the cast members that kind of stood out? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, you brought up uh, Danger Aaron, Aaron McGee. I think he is the MVP of of Jackass Forever. Uh, You kind of get um, a sense of it with the, the tease and the trailer where he's. He's stuck in that room with the bear and salmon and honey. Uh, that is an amazing stunt. Uh, but yeah, like uh, I think the one that really stood out where uh, it, it ended up like rupturing one of his testicles was um, uh, the oh. the cup test, which you know uh, Knoxville yeah. had done before. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh-huh. Danger Aaron does it, and they do it like three times. Like they do oh. three different cup tests. Oh. And it ends up rupturing one of his testicles. So, oh, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He he he's put through the ringer in this one because I almost feel like um yeah, Danger Aaron has always been because uh, you know the the climactic um one in in two in Jackass the movie two was the um where he's taxi. yeah yeah the terrorist taxi <laughs> with the <laughs> with the beard of pubes. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, you know, he's they're always like playing a gag on him. And yeah. I, I think this was, I guess, if they they were introducing something new other than, you know, the new cast members in this one was um uh that you think sometimes the gag is gonna go one way and then they introduce like some sort of twist. 
Um, yeah. Uh, another thing was also that's different is that there's less um, like people on the street gags in this one because obviously because it was shot during the pandemic. Yeah. So th- I think there was only one that I specifically remember where it was like a prank on somebody, unsus- somebody unsuspecting, and it was just one person. Uh, and it's the one where um, Knoxville is pretending to be this uh, like electrician, like he's working on <laughs> an electric pole, and then he's asking this lady to press a button, and it malfunctions, and she thinks that you know it's her yeah, fault. He's yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that was pretty impressive. Um, but yeah, they're they're they've introduced some new jackasses, which was surprising to me um yeah. because i've i've just been so used to that crew and you know i always just felt like that warning that they have at the beginning of every movie and every episode was just basically discouraging other people from doing it yeah. you know um so it was like how did they find these new people to do it you know and it, it's interesting that they all have these different things yeah. well it is interesting just the jackass effect that it's had you know so they came out prior to social media and on social media right now, on Instagram, on TikTok, I, I just know in my own use of Instagram mm-hmm. over the last couple of years, following accounts that end up kind of looking like Jackass, yes. where it's like you'll get, like like I think that guy Zach, who's a new member, yes. he's definitely been doing stunts on, on social media for years. Um, so it's like there's a way that I'm, you know, I get worried that something like Jackass is going to stop having the bang for its buck because social media is kind of doing the Jackass thing at this point, and people are people are just putting it out there for free. But it, I think it it does matter that it's these people because like we have a connection. Yes, you, like we know Steve-O, we know Johnny, we know Bam, Ryan Dunn, R.I.P. Yeah, we know Aaron, we know um. You know, we man and Preston. Yeah, uh, not, don't forget and, and, Chris Pontius and, and, uh, and Pontius, Dave England. Yeah. <laughs> oh, England and Aaron. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, just going back to England or, or actually Aaron. Mm-hmm. It is funny that in a crew, like no matter what kind of a crew it is, mm-hmm. there will always be someone who kind of gets bullied <laughs> or gets like the short end. <laughs> so it's funny to kind of see in this kind of a crew of stuntmen mm-hmm. and wacky people who are all reckless and all fun yeah. and crazy to see who gets picked on the most you know <laughs> that it, it just happens just naturally yeah yeah because right i mean everybody gets pranked at one point or another you know uh in the show or the movies but it's the fact that like the other people are kind of clued into it but he's never in on it <laughs> he's always just blissfully unaware that like yeah. at this point like you know they're gonna give you the short end of the stick every time yeah. It um, makes me love him because, like, because you know he knows. Okay, I'm gonna get shit on, mm-hmm. but if I just play this up, I'm also gonna get a lot of screen time. <laughs> so, like, if I put myself, if I make myself available for the punishment, mm-hmm. it'll work out, but it's gonna suck. And so it's just like there's a real, yeah, there's like a real honor. <laughs> he yeah. he's got to win like some sort of like honorary Oscar for this, you yeah. know. It's like, <laughs> Um, but yeah, just mentioning all the people, uh, like the regular crew. Yeah, obviously, you know, Ryan Dunn couldn't be part of it because, you know, he passed away like after the third one, um, you know, tragic car accident. Um, uh, but yeah, Bam Margera is actually not in this one either because, um, uh, of, and that's also part of the reason why the movie was delayed a couple of times. Like it was initially supposed to come out in March of last year. 
Then it got pushed to October, which I was excited about because it was going to come out around the time of my birthday. And then it yeah. got pushed back again to February. And I read that it had something to do with, with Bam Margera basically getting cut out of the movie. And then also him trying to sue Paramount, the studio, and you know the the makers of, of Jackass, Jeff Tremaine and, and Spike yeah. Jones. So um, uh, yeah, they it, it's it's just a sad story all around. There's like a deleted Instagram video of, of him like kind of saying his reasons of uh, you know his side of things, and um, yeah. it's a really sad, <laughs> depressing video, and kind of unintentionally funny too because there's a part where he pukes. And it's like, is this part of the the jackass like gag or something? I was I was still yeah. kind of wondering, but no, it's real. He's he's been cut out of, of the jackass uh, movie, um, so I'm I'm assuming like there was because this was the interesting thing at the uh, at the end credits they show you some of the gags like I guess the ones that didn't make it, and I'm wondering now like if some of them the reason why they didn't make it was because Bam was part of it. And also, I guess because of, um, you know, COVID protocols and everything, um, there's lesser people involved in this because there are like these, um, uh, I want to say they're not part of the main Jackass crew, but they were regulars, you know, and I was a fan of theirs too. Like uh, one of my favorites was actually uh, Brandon DiCamillo. I don't know if you remember him. Yeah, so he's totally. No, yeah. Like, so I remember, so when I first started watching Jackass, um, I, we had friends who had the CKY videos, you know, yeah. w- which is like that whole Westchester crew. And I remember watching those CKY videos and thinking that Brandon was kind of a star. Like, like I, sure. I, I, I thought like like him and Bam were and and Dunn were like the key parts, right? And so it, it was it was always. I was always wishing he would be in the in Jackass. Yeah, uh, so um, it's a shame that he's not in it because yeah, he he always hammed it up, which I loved. You know, like um, uh, really funny. Yeah, one of my yeah. favorite like Jackass stunts from the move uh, from the show uh, was the the office chair uh, skateboarding <laughs> thing on the ramp. Mm-hmm. Like uh, yeah, and the way he plays that gag is amazing. You know, um, yeah. yeah, and then. Uh, Manny Puig, I don't know if you remember him. He was like the wildlife expert. Uh, yeah. I, I I always remembered him from a show on um on Animal Planet. So to see him do the jackass thing and he's like you know, kind of just right. uh, beside himself of like all the shit that they pull off. It's a shame he's not in this one either. And then um mm-hmm. there's also Rake Yon, who you see in like yep. the yeah the older clips and um older stuff. Uh, do you remember yeah. Loomis Fall? Yes. Yeah, yeah. he's like such a uh you know visually striking guy you know he had he always has the kind of a uh, aviator kind of uh, <laughs> a snow hat and then he's got the fu yeah. manchu the, the yeah yeah and, and i the i was looking him up and i was like man he's actually had a few like he's had a hand in writing like he actually also came up with some of the the concepts for the stunts so uh, it was strange to not see him uh so the only other guy who was kind of peripheral is rab himself uh Chris, oh, right. Chris Rab, um, who's part of the CK. Yeah, he's the only, I think, member of the CKY crew that's in the movie. Um, but he was smart. He oh. they they feature him at towards the end, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm behind the camera now. I'm not doing this." Because <laughs> I yes. mean, his, his most memorable stunt from the first movie was uh, uh what is it, the bungee wedgie? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which they oh, they yeah. bring back. There's a lot of like callbacks to the oh, the old uh, gags, and you know, if we want, I found. We're gonna bring up like some of my favorites. Like, I mean, from the f- sure, let's go. Yeah, from the first movie, it was um when <laughs> Dave England takes a crap in the hardware store. 
So yep. <laughs> they bring it back in this movie, but instead of a hardware store, he does it in um uh like a kind of a yard sale. <laughs> <laughs> and this is another I forgot yeah this one was also like kind of a people on the street thing so people didn't know okay. what was going on and then to make it uh, you know they added a twist to it the the bathroom uh, I mean the toilet blows up <laughs> so, uh, so that was amazing um, he's even wearing the same cardigan that he was wearing in the, yeah. in the first stunt um, but yeah the absolute standout to me which also ties again to silent cinema was um they they do this uh, kind of challenge called the quiet game, and uh, the whole idea is like they're they're put through all these ordeals and they have to stay quiet. And you see one of the bits of it in the trailer. So they hmm. they're like dressed as mimes. So the participants are Stevo, Poopies, who is one of the new guys, and I, I want to say yeah, he's like the star. Like he's he's the night. Yes. You know, he's definitely going to be the up and coming star of of the new jackass. And then the other one was um. The new female member, which uh, we can dive into, uh, Rachel sure. Wolfson. Um, but yeah, it's great because it, it reminded me so much of another um, kind of, I want to say, uh, stunt prank show called Silent Library. Have you heard of it? No, I have not. Oh, it's so good. Look it up on YouTube. Okay. So Silent Library is uh, this Japanese game show, I want to say, <laughs> where basically the, the whole thing is they're doing all these pranks and stunts in a real library. So they have to be quiet. <laughs> oh, okay. So, um, you know, and uh, it's a very simple premise. All they have to do is basically they draw cards and then whoever like has the the card, which is almost it looks like the Jackass logo, actually. Um, you know, whoever has that uh, like has to do the the stunt or the gag. So it would be like um, like one of my favorite episodes is it's with this MMA fighter named Ernesto Host. Um, and he keeps getting the the bad card, <laughs> so it would be like he has to smell a bag full of farts, like an airbag yeah. full of farts, <laughs> or um, the even the names for the gags are really hilarious. One is like called Outwitted, which is basically they pluck a nose hair from your nose, and it's called Outwitted. Right. <laughs> yeah, so or like there's a slapping machine, and then you have to get your face close to the slapping machine, and then you know be quiet, and then like there's actually people saying shush, shushing them in the library. So um, the quiet uh, game was similar to that. Uh, you see it in the trailer, like basically, yeah. um, there's a snake. Yeah, uh, that one poopies has to kiss the snake. <laughs> Uh, there's another bit where, um, uh, well, the only one that I think Rachel does is the um, she has to like lick the taser. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, uh, and then Steve O, um, he does this thing where it's like a skateboard guillotine, where they basically like make a skateboard fall on your shins, <laughs> <laughs> and he even like makes them put it up higher so it falls from a much higher height. Yeah, and uh, and he loses because he actually shouts like he forgets yeah. that he's supposed to be quiet. Um, yeah. But yeah, that one was a real standout. But yeah, if if we want to segue into to Rachel Wolfson and also yeah. just the newer uh, jackasses, yeah, um, so yeah, I was I was very interested to see them add a woman. Uh, and the whole thing is that she's she's not in it that much. Uh, I mean, she has her own like little bit that's like specifically hers, which is um, uh basically they they give her a scorpion sting botox <laughs> um but even that bit like was really underwhelming because you know obviously you feel the pain of her getting stung but they don't show like her lips swelling up 
like you know right. the after effect like you know how usually even in the old jackasses they would show the stunt and then they'd show yeah. like days later like you know when um when knoxville was shot with the the bean bag yeah <laughs> and then they they come back to him a few days later and they show how big like the the bruise the is yeah. yeah like uh, there was no follow-up with her it was just like okay she got stung by a scorpion and yeah and the thing was, they've even done that gag before, but not on the lips. It was, um, I think, uh, oh, wait, no, it was on the lips. Actually, Pontius did like this kind of gag where he was upside down and then his lips were speaking and then he was getting stung by a scorpion. So it has been done before. OK. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it was just interesting that she wasn't she was never doing anything super dangerous. Like she wasn't doing right. any of like the stunts that involve like jumping into cacti yeah, or, Falling, or yeah. skateboard. And um, this was also another underwhelming thing. The bonus content that they were, you know, doing for the yeah. the opening night. It was just basically like a moderated conversation at the end of the movie of just like how the new jackasses got involved and like why they're doing it again. All these things. But, you know, they never address any of the controversy. Like there's no talk of of Bam. They never bring up Bam. Yeah. Or, the, you know, uh, even though Ryan Dunn gets like a little touching like uh, tribute at the end. Uh, they don't even talk about that either. Um, so it was just kind of like a, a right. promotional like uh, press kit type thing. But it was just interesting to hear how all of these new jackasses got discovered and involved. And I think it's very telling with with Rachel. And I'm I'm kind of being hard on her, but you know she sure. she's an interesting presence for sure. And it it definitely adds a little more diversity to the group. But um, they were it was just like there was. <laughs> Even the way that they described it, like this kind of a, a trailing off where they were like, oh, yeah, we saw your your stand up on IG. And I was just like, oh, man, that was it. No. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's yeah. how you discovered her. Like, it wasn't like she was performing any stunts or doing anything that really deserved. Exactly. Like, um, well, being on Jackass. It, it, it kind of just goes to show that filming someone get hurt or something painful, mm. you know, that's, you know, it, it's. It can be a little funny. It's a little something. Mm-hmm. But what makes, I think, Steve-O and Johnny and all these guys so special is their personality and, like, the way they can be funny before mm-hmm. the prank and then selling it after. Yeah. You know, it's like with Ryan Dunn when he put the car <laughs> up his butt for, for oh the my butt God. x-ray. Yeah. Oh like, man. <laughs> what made that was how funny he was before he did it. <laughs> he was being funny during it. Oh man. And like yeah. and then talking about how how awful it felt after and just <laughs> it, you know it's like it's the whole process like can you can can you sell it? You know as, as opposed to just it's not just funny to get stung. Mm-hmm. It's like it's it's funny to see Danger Aaron be right. scared be scared of the Lamborghini, be scared of the whole deal, and then be screaming after it's over, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you bring up an interesting point because I think that was also my main issue with with Rachel Wolfson was that I think she was just trying to be too cool, you know? It was just like she didn't... she. I you know when I, you're doing crazy stuff like this like you kind of have to let go and you know not be afraid to look terrible and like you know she still comes off like kind of oh man you know it's like I'm still you know yeah. uh I got my distance and I I don't look like a fool kind of thing cuz yeah. even that that scorpion uh, botox thing like the funniest bit in it was actually uh, Eric Andre who I haven't even brought up yet <laughs> oh yeah 
yeah like he has like just kind of a throwaway line at the end where he's like and she still looks beautiful <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it's great uh because yeah, yeah i mean eric andre is like one of the great i think uh son of jackass <laughs> yeah, and he's he, really funny yeah and really it's, funny. it's perfect that he's in this um because um and it's funny he's he's actually trending again today to um for for all the wrong reasons uh oh, <laughs> he, no. yeah yeah like everybody's like he he's lost like a lot of respect and credibility because he he dropped an nft um oh. yeah <laughs> yeah unfortunate but That'll you know i'm a big fan of eric andre and the, the eric yeah. andre show and he's been doing like these these gags on the street which the pranks on the street which are definitely you know inspired by jackass yeah. And just amazing stuff, and uh, probably not as painful as Jackass, but still, like he's 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 still putting himself out there. There's still a chance like somebody could beat him up, or oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I I feel like Eric Andre. He's more in like the Chris Pontius mm-hmm. cat- category. Where Pon- you don't see Pontius overly putting himself in danger, but he's just yeah, he's being he he uses nudity, humor, <laughs> and putting himself in awkward situations as yes. like to like create all the laughs and sometimes that's like all you need it's like you don't you don't have to be throwing yourself into a brick wall did you, yeah did you see bad trip uh last year or was it last year or yeah it's a mix now it kind of i think uh, it got a brief release in 2020 maybe um maybe. well you would remember it if you saw yeah. it because uh, okay because no. it is this movie with with eric andre and uh lil rel and it's like oh, a, no, a road yeah, trip yeah they go on a road trip uh and there's a fictional story to it, but the gags are all real. Like, you know, these are all people who are unsuspecting. So it's like a beautiful, like seamless, uh, like yeah. mix of, of the two. And, um, and this is also something I want to tie into Jackass uh, forever, which is something new that was uh, welcome was actually how, how moving it was, you know, cause um, the beauty of, of bad trip was that, you know, even these gags are going on. It actually goes to show how good natured people can be. And, you know, um, that they're willing to help you out. Like there's, there's somewhere, you know, they see people get hurt and they're like, are you okay? You know, it's like, it, it was really amazing to see that. And then uh, in Jackass, that was the thing too. Yeah. Again, it was a joke at the, in the first movie that they were going to be doing like son of Jackass. And it was like this fake trailer where they're all older and like, you know, we're kind of there already. <laughs> you know, they're, they're all yeah. uh, either in their fifties or approaching 50 um and uh i actually even heard that uh like johnny knoxville said that this is his last like he's not going to be doing anymore um so uh jackass may continue but it's just not going to be the same because i mean that intro you know hello i'm johnny knoxville welcome to jackass like you know in on the show they it became a thing where it's not johnny knoxville saying it but you know they still make that intro and it's great um but yeah it was just like it was these little moments where you understood that it's like, yeah, we are getting older. And then, you know, um, I don't know, something about the the laughter was more infectious this time around, I think, more than all the other jackasses. Like, I was like, oh, yeah, like, I'm enjoying myself because they're enjoying themselves, you know, mm-hmm. um, like it was it was very infectious. Yeah. So it is like a hangout, you know, it mm-hmm. seems like when they're making the movie and they talk about this in three that like half the time it's really fun and then the other half of the time they're all terrified that they're going to get pranked <laughs> with something at any moment but because of that you feel like you're there you feel like you're hanging out with them and um mm-hmm. yeah it just adds to the connection yeah absolutely so yeah i th- i think um it, it's definitely a movie that 
needs to be seen in the theater. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, for for people who were previously fans, um, you know, I think you'll you'll be satisfied. And for people who are new to it, like hopefully this opens a door <laughs> of discovering the you know the trove that is Jackass, like the three previous movies and the yeah. show that. I thought it actually lasted a lot longer. I didn't realize that it was only like three years and three seasons and that was it. Like for some reason. Yeah. Um, yeah. It did burn out quick. And then I remember mm-hmm. Wild Boys. I remember watching Wild Boys after for for mm-hmm. several seasons. Um, and then, um, oh yeah, I wanted to ask because did you get around to seeing the Shark Week clip of uh I did, of yeah. Poopy. <laughs> well, no, going- I watched the whole episode. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, because um, yeah, you were talking about the building of tension. Um, yeah, that's the whole thing. Yeah, it it leads up to that. Like that's the final. Well, not tech, not actually the final, but it's the second to last thing that they do. Um, right. And uh, I don't know how much is in the clip, but did they they mention that the the doctor, like the shark scientist, isn't with them for that gag um, or for that stunt? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say that um, that clip, that's the example of like, it's so gnarly and so scary that it, mm-hmm. it cr- for me, it kind of goes over the line and comes back. It kind of goes back and <laughs> forth between being, whoa, this is an amazing jackass stunt to like, you're actually terrified for the guy and scared and, and poopies who, you know, ultimately he goes into um, you know he's he, you know he's water skiing over sharks. The, the, yeah, they're they're playing the, a I, gag on the um jump the shark idea, <laughs> jumping the shark. But but I guess they weren't going fast enough, so he just goes lands right in the middle of all the sharks. A shark bites his wrist and essentially almost cuts his hand off. So he's like yes, really freaking out and terrified. He they they they, they are luckily able to rush him to a hospital and reattach his arm. And you can see in like the post interview, he's like crying because like, he just remembers how scared he was. But at the same time, it's both an amazing jackass stunt and very scary. That that's like the gnarliest stunt. Yeah, there's there's even a point where Pontius says like, you know, uh, you know, things can go well or it can be like this. Like, there's no in between, right? Like, you know, and yeah. you're hoping that everything goes well, but it's just like kind of a reminder that this can happen. You know, and, and and it applies to a lot of the stunts that they do, you know, because I mean, even in, in this new one, and I think this is part of the reason why Knoxville doesn't want to do it anymore. He he got a couple of concussions, like yeah. the, the bull stunt that you see in the trailer, like that basically knocked him out for like three or four minutes. Like, yeah. he, you know, it was one of those things where are you OK? You know, kind of like um, he doesn't even remember that in the first movie with the with the golf cart flipping over. I remember yeah. when they were doing the oh. demolition derby with the golf oh carts? God. Yeah, so it, it another thing that happens to him. And then um uh you know the most dangerous stunt actually that happens in, in Jackass Forever is the the marching band treadmill <laughs> one that you also right. see in the trailer. Yeah. Yeah, like uh uh yeah, both uh, Steve O and, and um Knoxville both had to to get hospitalized for it, you know. So yeah, it's getting there. You know, we're all mortals. Yeah. So. yeah, and and you know, when you're 49 or whatever, however old these guys are, it's like, mm. you know, you forget that it's like, you know, you, you can't be a stunt man like that for that long. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's funny because like, 
if we talk about how funny it is for for people to get hurt and stuff we don't want that to happen but you know most of the time because i realize like the stuff that makes me laugh like especially on youtube are the accidents you know it's like but in jackass they intentionally put themselves in those types of accidents yeah. <laughs> like falling downstairs and stuff like that you know i mean i'm sure all of us have had some sort of jackass type mishap but we never intended that to happen no you know um yeah i was gonna ask you do you have like any memory of like something that happened like to you that's accident. like that could have been a jackass well gag so not a jackass gag i i've i've been very fortunate like that and also i've i've never hung out with a crew of guys that even played the like <laughs> nut slap game you know like i'm very happy <laughs> to, to like uh, have avoided any of those kinds of crews of people that are just like try to hurt each other you know what i mean <laughs> but right. the, I, I was gonna say but the one kind of casual hurt yourself accident that happens a lot to me and Malika is at, at, at night, I'm sure it's happened to you where you're on your phone, you're in bed and you drop your phone on your face. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. for some reason, there's nothing funnier than when that happens to someone else. You know, like it's just, it's cause, cause you know yep. what happened. It just slipped out. It hit them. It hurts a little, but it's like, it, for some reason it's so, it's really embarrassing. And like, I don't quite, again, it's like, sure. it's like, I don't know why it just is. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, but, but fortunately, but yeah. yeah, no big, no big accidents. Has That's anything good. happened? Is it, has anything happened to either you or, or JR? <laughs> um, uh, well, not with JR, but uh, for me, like, I'm just, uh, I, I have my battles with gravity. Like, let's oh. just say that like I'm, I'm, a, I'm a very clumsy guy you know um yeah I so a lot of things do happen to me but the one real standout that like i just remember and i could have actually said hi i'm johnny knoxville welcome to jackass before i did it <laughs> <laughs> uh, was, um i wanted to basically debunk friday the 13th and oh. i remember it very specifically because it was like um uh it was a week before my birthday. So like my, my birthday is on October 20th. So if my birthday lands on Friday, then Friday the 13th, the week before will be uh, before my yeah, birthday. Yeah. So yeah, the 13th lands on a Friday too. So, um, uh, so I, I think I was eight years old. I want to say seven or eight or yeah, mm -hmm. turning seven or eight. And uh, it was in the playground of my uh, school at that time. And um so, you know, I was hearing all these things about Friday the 13th. I was like, oh, man, that's a bunch of nonsense. Like, there's no such thing as, like, yeah. bad luck. And, you know, I'm going to prove it to you guys. <laughs> uh -huh. So we had this uh, jungle gym. And it was perfect. It had been raining. So basically, well, number one, the bars were wet. <laughs> Yo, and then no. number two, there was a massive puddle um, underneath the jungle gym. So, uh, you know, oh, the monkey bars, I'm sorry. So the monkey bars. So... I was going to do this trick where basically I was going to swing, you know, skip a bar. So swing from one bar to another, catch it, and oh. then keep going and basically avoid right. the puddle. Yeah. And you can basically guess what happened next. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I swung and I missed and I landed straight in the oh. puddle. I mean, this would have been like, I want to say 96. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Or no, maybe even earlier. Sorry. Maybe 93. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, so did you go like shoulder first into the puddle? 
I, I don't even know. Like I just blacked out. Like I fell into the puddle and I, the next thing I knew I was, I was soaking wet and I had to be in that wet t-shirt for the rest of the day. Cause this was like yeah. before even classes started. It was that morning of Friday oh, the 13th. No. That's amazing. <laughs> but that was like a, yeah, a jackass daredevil stunt that I did. Dude, totally. And like that, that, totally failed. That reminds me, that, that reminds me of a really good gr- groin hit I took in eighth grade. So, oh man! <laughs> in eighth grade, I was um, I had a first grade buddy. Okay, so 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 I'm mm-hmm. you know thirteen or fourteen. I have a, a first grade buddy that um, you know, I, I, there was some kind of a buddy system for first to eighth, and so for this sure. recess, we were supposed to play with our buddy. So I'm hanging out with this kid over by I think like the tether ball courts or something. And I'm also mm-hmm. kind of looking around and talking to some friends. And my buddy says, hey, can I show you my karate kicks? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and so he does a kick and I'm like, oh, cool. I look away and I'm like l- looking at a friend. So I'm like totally exposed. Next kick <laughs> just totally tacos me. Where I, It's like I, oh. I, I, I make... <laughs> I make the full face double over, you know, it's like, you know, it's like, you know, when you get hit, you, you like stick your butt out. So it's like everyone can, mm-hmm. like <laughs> right. people don't have to see what happened, but they just, they, they mm-hmm. hear you exhale, that they hear you make a noise. They, they look over and see the shape that you're in and they know. So it's just, yeah. one, just one of those things where it's just like everyone just quickly saw, saw what happened, started laughing. You know, and then and, and there's nothing that you could do. It's his first grade kid. I don't think he meant it. I think he was really right. just trying to show me his kicks. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, that can happen. And I mean, you know, it's that's the, gonna the, happen. Yeah, going back to the doubling over too. Like I was just thinking of like certain gags in Jackass where it's like the it's the peripheral thing that happens. It wasn't even the main thing. Like uh, you yeah. know, uh, the yellow snow cone. Do you remember that one? <laughs> Yes, With Aaron. Yes. Yeah, so like where Aaron pees into a, a, a cup of ice and then eats it. <laughs> yes. Right? And then he, he starts throwing up. But that wasn't yeah. even like the thing that happens. The funniest thing is that, you know, because he, he basically had to have his pants down. He didn't even pull his pants back up. And then like, I can't remember if it was Dunn or, or Bam who basically like kicks his ass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he falls over and then, you yeah. know, his ass is like his ass cheeks is up in the air and it's just like <laughs> so ridiculous that he, he already went through that and then he gets his ass kicked on yeah. top of it. Um yeah. It was- that's why he that's why he's a king and that's why Steve O's a king, is because mm-hmm. they they know how to pose themselves mm-hmm. while either getting the pain or afterwards. They're aware of what's funny mm-hmm. and they're aware of like not uh, of of kind of selling out for the camera, you know. Right, I mean? right. And I mean, you know, uh, Steve-O is really just a fascinating guy. Um, I would highly recommend yeah. to watch um, his interview with uh, David Cho. Are you familiar with David Cho? Yeah. Uh, the like, artist? Uh, uh, yeah. Da- David Cho, the artist. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he has his own show on FX. It's only four episodes long, and it's it's such a remarkable show. It's one of my favorites. Cool. Um, I hope he does more episodes. So he interviews people in his house slash studio, mm-hmm. and he interviews Steve-O. And, um, you know, he talks about, like, what was the thing that, like, a bucket list thing that Steve-O wanted to do. And it was this thing he called, like, skyjacking which is basically skydiving and then jerking off at the same time and blowing a load like midair. And I was just like, man, 
<laughs> and then the, the the important question is like when how long did it take before you know uh yeah. you, the thrill or whatever like subsided and then steve was just like i don't i still don't think i've gotten over it like you know yeah. it's like one of those things totally. like yeah he's fascinating guy you know he's a legend um yeah yeah dude. for sure do you know what his last name is i i was trying to look it up i don't even oh. know what steve-o's real name is he's he just like steve-o on podcast because <laughs> I, I, on youtube i've been going through a bunch of his podcast clips mm-hmm. it's like i want to say gilchrist or something it's something okay <laughs> you would not think of it's like Stephen gilchrist or something yeah and like johnny knoxville like that's not his name his name is like philip <laughs> or something johnny knoxville is amazing i mean it's yeah. just interesting to his his career trajectory like he there was even a period in time where he kind of became a serious actor like he was in this movie called oh, yeah. grand theft parsons where he played Grand parsons you know and that was actually more wow. of a serious movie so you know uh, i i haven't seen it but i'm curious because you know Grand parsons yeah. obviously uh you know fascinating story especially you know the way he went out so uh yeah i'm definitely curious about that so um well what's interesting too is that you know it's like he starred in a couple of just like regular straight comedies at least one mm-hmm. but it's like yeah there's there's no comedy that's going to be funnier than jackass so it's it's All right it's, it, it's kind of self-defeating in a way you know <laughs> yeah but I, I i do feel like he 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 does have a future in just being a straight guy and being an actor like yeah. uh he, he i mean in a way they he's good you were bringing that up earlier yeah they 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 know how to build it up and they know like how to kind of make it look good for the camera you know yeah um so yeah uh yeah so i wanted to ask you um two things basically yes who is your favorite jackass and what is your favorite jackass stunt or gag? Okay. Um, my favorite jackass would probably be Ryan Dunn. Oh, and, wow. Okay. And I think the I think it would be God, I want to the butt x-ray always stands out to me <laughs> as like one of like the top gags. Yeah. Um, but then the, the how other about him getting his ass kicked by a girl. <laughs> Oh yeah, the the Japanese kickboxer. (laughs) Yes, that was legendary too. Again, with Dunn, it was the personality. You know, he Mm -hmm. willingly and and very bravely and nicely would go into all these terrible stunts. Yeah, he would show you how scared he was, or he would show you um, how painful it was. And then he would sell the pain afterwards. It was like the whole process was done with the, and then the, the other stunt that I always stands out to me is the paper cuts. When, when Steve was getting the paper cuts. Yeah. It's like, that's just a a classic. It's as a viewer, it's like the perfect. Yeah. Jackass stunt. Cause as a viewer, you know, it's going to hurt. Yeah. You're cringing. You see it. You see Steve-O screaming. It's just like the whole part, the whole yeah. process is like, yeah. it's it's terrifying. <laughs> La- you laugh out loud yeah. and exhilarating. Yeah, they do it on his tongue, right? And then he's like, man, that fucking yeah. sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I walked into this room and checked out what you guys yeah. are doing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. And yeah, I just to add to Ryan Dunn, too. I, I felt like he was the best at deadpanning out of all the jackasses. Yeah. Like, I mean, the whole the reason why that butt x-ray one works so well is just like how he talks to the doctor about like, 
oh, I don't remember what I, I did. Yeah. And then he's like, you know, you can't talk about this. Like only him yeah. and you, <laughs> like, you know, yeah. that makes yeah. it even funnier, you know. <laughs> Is that the, the doctor like, was really funny? Yeah, it was amazing. Um, yeah, R.I.P. Ryan Dunn, man. I mean, just kind of a weird, um, uh, kind of uh, just a foreshadowing that wasn't unintentional from the first movie. Going back to that demolition derby, um, like crash when they crashed their mm-hmm. golf cart. There's like golf a random comment. Down. I think Bam says it, where it's like Ryan is such a bad driver. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just yeah. man, like it, it, yeah, it definitely hits different seeing it again. You know, it's like yeah. man, yeah. Uh, so yeah, who's your fave? I have to say it's Dave England. I mean, I, I, I definitely have a scatological <laughs> sense of humor. So anything yeah, involving kind of crapping, yeah. he is, and he mentions that in in the like uh, the extras in the like um, post. Uh, a movie oh, interview where he says like um yeah when they mentioned that they were adding a guy named poopies i thought he was like you know gonna be doing all the shit stuff that i do <laughs> you know like he, he felt a little threatened uh, <laughs> yeah but uh yeah i mean the hardware store gag is just man it's a yeah. it's a classic and here's another weird thing was so that good. i i misremembered it i thought that it was on the show i didn't realize that it was on the in the movie in the first movie but then i realized man they would never have been able to show that shot of the crap in the toilet on mtv like it would have been censored like there was no way that they could have shown that and it's like such a vivid image and i mean not only that it's just like the build-up to it you know talking about build-up was that (laughs) so um he really needs the crap and he couldn't wait, so he ends up like crapping in the van mm. on the way to the hardware oh. store. <laughs> yeah, and then it's just like um, and this is another kind of funny like peripheral like trivia thing. Uh, the guy who's filming him, Lance Bangs, you know, he's also in the in the new one, and he's kind of known for this cameraman who's like totally like squeamish and and throws up every time, you know. And it happens again, and it's even funnier in in this one because he's masked up. And then he's wearing like a hat. You can't even see his face. Like I think he's wearing like dark glasses, so you don't even see his face. And I yeah. think he throws up in his mask. <laughs> so, yeah. And the other thing, I I'm not sure if a lot of people know this, but like Langs Bangs is actually um like a well respected like music rock journalist. You know, he's written for Rolling yeah. Stone, mm-hmm. and he's he's actually a really amazing documentarian. The reason why they actually have him as a cameraman on most of the Jackass stuff is he's filming like behind the scenes stuff. Um, like I can't remember who it was who recommended him, but uh, uh, he shot uh, Brad Pitt and uh, Jennifer Aniston's uh, wedding video um, oh. because you know they said like oh yeah he. Because he just has this unique perspective, like he yeah. he didn't just shoot the wedding, like he had like you know the build up to the wedding, like all, all like some documentary stuff. Like it wasn't just the wedding itself; it was like them when they were younger, like really amazing. So yeah, Lance Banks is a real talent, and he's part of this this crew. And I even love his like uh, his subtitle was like documentarian slash vegetarian as he's throwing <laughs> up. <laughs> Um, oh yeah, and another thing about him is that he's married to Corin Tucker of um, Slater Kinney fame. Okay, <laughs> so that's also interesting. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Lance Banks for sure. Yeah. Uh, another why I misremembered the the whole thing with the hardware store gag is that um, 
of the let's talk about the aesthetics of Jackass. Okay, so mm. this is actually more than just the gags themselves. What really appealed to me when Jackass first arrived was that it was this show that was unabashedly shot on digital video. Like it was one of the first shows that I yeah. saw. I was like, man, like it's handheld. Like that really excited me. Like all these mm. things about like punk DIY. I mean, you know, Jackass basically came from a tradition of of skate videos, you know, um, and yeah. like skate videos, if, if people are familiar with them, not only does it show when they pull the tricks off right, they also show the pratfalls and stuff like that. And Jackass decided to focus more on that because, you know, they were just saying like, yeah. uh, I think Bam was saying it because he's probably the best skater out of all of them, but even he's kind of a oh, yeah. shitty skater. So it's like, let's just tap into this, you know, and Knoxville also gets on on um, the skateboard from time to time. Yeah. So um, uh, that's how it kind of emerged from that culture. And I was blown away by it. Like that really excited me that they're using like these cameras that you can buy from Best Buy and just, you know, they're going out with very simple means. Cause I think, yes, yeah, some yeah. of the best gags, they're not complicated. They don't cost that much money to pull off, you know? Um, and, uh, and what was more, uh, yeah, actually this is another little trivia thing. Uh, let me ask you how many, of the jackass movies do you think were shot on film oh god uh let's say two uh well it's a trick question <laughs> okay so actually none of them were shot on film technically um oh, really? yeah only the opening credit sequences were shot on film right those like slow bones yes yeah so um yeah. Okay. and uh it that's another kind of a place in in film history that jackass has because it was in this weird in-between time when basically films were being shot on digital video and this was before hd so it's you know it has that quality but uh there was no um like means yet to project it digitally in the movie theater because it would have looked really terrible on uh, uh on digital projection because they, they didn't have that resolution yet to project like high def. So mm -hmm. what people had to do when they were shooting digitally and it kind of originated from like uh, the dogma movement in you know, Danish filmmaking was um, they would shoot these films digitally and then transfer it to film. And it created oh. this like eerie effect, you know, like of something being shot digitally, but it's on film and you're watching it projected on film. <laughs> so yeah. Um, yeah, it was just a really exciting time. And like the the movies that came from that period, I even remember a movie theater in, in New York, um, Anthology Film Archives did a series where they did movies that were like shot on video, but like projected on film. Uh, and yeah, it was a really, and Jackass was part of that series, you know? Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. Well, great. Yeah. So I, I really love that. And I mean, you know, just going back to the, the aesthetics of it, Jackass definitely has like a, like a unique look and approach in terms of like they they have this specific font that they use yep. for their titles and then um even the fade outs are <laughs> i think a, right. a purposeful touch you know um from yeah. it and i mean the, the the theme song which you know most people now associate with with um jackass but i i recommend listening to the actual song uh it's corona by minutemen it's such an amazing song. Like it's one of my favorite all time songs, you know, and it, it's kind of ironic now how it foreshadows, you know, it's the title is Corona. And then, you know, uh, D Boone sings about like, um, oh, people will survive. But he's talking about like Corona as in the beer, 
but you know it's yeah. like corona actually happened and it's all about yeah exactly surviving and it's just bizarre you know that that song that is weird no way okay. yeah for sure that's wacky well good man i'm happy that you got you got out to the theater and we got and we got to have this talk i'm, I'm looking forward to a watching it at some point. yeah definitely go out and see it if you can um yeah i, I think it, it's gonna be out for a while because you know we're, we're in this is one of the things that i'm glad that it actually got delayed and came out in february because yeah. you know we're in the dog days of of movie theater releases oh, yeah. so uh to have something this good this early in the year is 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 nice so yeah yeah help us get through this winter I yeah absolutely well um well if we're moving on to the next one this was a movie that helped me get through a, a big period of my life. Um, okay. So, th- so this is one of my favorite movies. It's called Clue. Came out in 1985, but um, I didn't see it until the 90s. When mm-hmm. so my history with Clue, it was a regular on a regular movie on Comedy Central. Gotcha. Sometime in like the let's say the mid 90s, like 94 through 98. And so I would see it at least once a year, but always broken up with commercials. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so like at the commercial breaks, I would change the channel. You right. Know, Comedy Central. It, it was in my my. I had like a, a sequence of channels that I would surf through, mm-hmm. and and I, and I was pretty quick. You know, I can get to ESPN and Fox and TBS and everything. Did you have that the that button, the favorites button, where you could just skip? Oh yeah, to your favorite. Yeah, oh, I yeah. love that too. <laughs> Exactly. I use that all the time. Yeah. I know. It's it's funny how, the, yeah, channel surfing. I don't know if people are channel surfing anymore. No, it's rare. Know, with actual TVs, like now you kind of just channel surf with going back and forth between Instagram and YouTube. It's and, like here we actually have, message. yeah, we have um, uh, YouTube TV and you can basically arrange the channels to um, to the order you want. So, you know, right. and then it will just like know what you were last watching or like what you prefer to watch. So say like there's a basketball game that'll be front and yeah. center or there's a football game like that. Yeah, that that's what's going to be on. So it's like, wow, like the algorithm knows. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, it also has like an unlimited DVR. So you can right. like record all the shows. You can you can rewind something once you tune in. Like, you know, so if you miss the beginning, you can always go back, you know. Yeah. So, it, it, yeah, it, it's changed now. It's like there's just no way of of discovery in a way that they used yeah. to be with channel surfing. Um, right. And so that's how, you know, like, cause so clue was a board game that I never played really as a kid, but I remember just coming across clue, having it catch my eye, sticking with it and kind of just having that, that private feeling that you have, you know, what, like back then when, when you're channel surfing of like, Oh, I, I think this is good. I like this. <laughs> yeah. Is this good? I, I I don't know if it's good. Mm-hmm. And then just o- over time, just, you know, with rewatching it, just really loving it. Um, and so I'm curious, like, did you have a history with Clue? Like, what, like, do you remember, like, when was the first time you saw it? Yeah, I, I'm, I actually wanted to ask you before I answer that. Did you play the game first or see the movie first? It's a good question. I probably did play the game, but not memorably. Okay. Like, um, it's funny because I, I I actually play it a lot right now with the family. Nice. It's a game that we play with the girls. We don't really tell them it's about murder. <laughs> we just say that that there's like a crime, oh, or there's like a mystery that, that we have to solve. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's so it's fun to uh 
you know, I'm playing it a lot now, and it was so it was really fun to rewatch it. I mean, Malika, we we rewatched it a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I because I, I played the the board game before I ever saw the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and okay. the thing is, I played it as Cluedo, which is the British right. version. You know, and I, yeah, I enjoy the game, even though I'm terrible at it. Like I rarely win. <laughs> in in fact, yeah. I actually feel like I, I'm, I'm the, I'm kind of like the heel in the game, where basically, uh. um, people are able to solve it a lot easier because I'm in the game. <laughs> right. So, uh, you know, I, I think I, I tip my hand too much. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, when I'm investigating, so I, I, I need to work on my diversion skills, you know, because it's like, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm always like so close to like solving who did right. it, because that's always a question, right? It's like who did it in what room yeah. and with what. <laughs> um. So, um. Yeah. So I, I, I've been playing the game for decades. I actually still have my my original Cluedo game board, uh, board game, and oh, um. Yeah, I had it when I was in England and uh, I've, I've loved the game ever since. Like, you know, I, I played it in school and um, I actually brought it with me back to the Philippines. And I remember in uh, my uh, dorm, like sports fest, it was an actual yeah. event that we had because we enjoyed playing it so much at the dorm that <laughs> we, we played Cluedo as one of the events. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. That's yeah. Fun. So yeah, it was, it was it's good. really fun. Yeah. And, but the, the funny thing is I haven't played it since like that was the last time was in college. I haven't played Cluedo in college. Yeah. I don't even actually have the game with me now, but um, yeah, it's just, there hasn't been that many opportunities to really play board games with people, totally. but I've been discovering cause um, you know, uh, I've just been curious with the pandemic, how people have been playing games. Like there's been a lot of like virtual, like zoom tabletop tournaments and stuff and people just playing games online. And that's interesting to me, you know, and uh, you know, they even stream it on Twitch. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying, I'm curious to kind of get back into it. And I've been discovering places near me that are actually also doing game nights um so i wonder if clue is 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 one of them and i you know it would be fun it does does seem like board game cafes were making a comeback over the last five years um yeah prior to everything so yeah um it would be interesting to head back out there yeah for sure um so yeah like it it, it's one of these movies that i knew existed Mm -hmm. because of the board game but for some reason it was one of those things where i just never saw it and then when i did finally see it i was like where has this been all my life (laughs) and i might imagine i'm not alone like you know it's it's one of those movies um that uh i read up on it and it said that it was a box office bomb when it came out originally in 85 and um it just kind of got this cult following over the years you know, and well yeah. deserved. Um, and I think, yeah, the, that that's the other amazing thing. You bring it up that it was on Comedy Central. There's a lot of movies that have kind of gained these followings because of their repeat, like uh, you know, broadcasts on TV. Yeah. You know, and people just stumbling upon it. Um, but yeah, this was right in my wheelhouse. And I, I also just remember how this came up between us was we were talking about like bad movies that we like. Mm-hmm. You know, and just um, yeah, uh, yeah, that that could be a potential theme for for favorites. Um, you know, as we go through them, like yeah, what are some bad movies that we think most people don't like? But I feel like now Clue is in more of the positive, even though like it still has a negative yeah. score in Metacritic, which is fascinating to me that it's like, right. uh, and even just tying back to Jackass, by the way, this was a funny thing that I saw when people were posting screenshots of the um. 
what is the other aggregate uh, movie um, site? Rotten Tomatoes. You know, where it was showing like audience, yeah, audience score versus uh, critic score and like how it progressively like started getting better for the Jackass movies until like finally it like aligned. Um, Because, yeah, I mentioned that critic Mark Kermode. He wasn't a fan of the older Jackasses. He liked this this new Jackass movie, you know, so it's getting to that point um, uh, where people appreciate it more now. So uh, but yeah, like uh, I saw I think the first time I saw it was almost a decade ago uh, um and it okay. is this i mean it yeah it originally came out like during the holidays of 1985 and it is this perfect like you know uh shut in in your house when it's cold outside type of movie mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> it's that kind of movie and probably like the most imaginative like uh script that you could come up with for a movie that's based on a board game you know <laughs> yeah it's really well made and i guess what i think it was john landis or whoever maybe yes. was the first person to kind of like really champion champion it and and try to get um he was actually know, involved in it yeah he was uh he i think he he co-wrote uh like he had a hand in the script uh even though he's not credited yeah. um so yeah i mean a big part of it uh and this is actually another question i wanted to ask you what was the ending that you saw when you watched it on Comedy Central? Do you remember? So, yeah, well, so here's the thing. On Comedy Central, what they had figured out was to put all three together. So they gotcha. show you the first, they, they show you, at, at, I think, ending A first. Mm-hmm. Then they they would go to a commercial break. Then <laughs> they'd come back from the commercial break at, with like a little bit of like a... A header, or you know, like some mm-hmm. text, and it, it, that 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 said something to the effect of, "Well, that could have been how it happened, but here's how it happened." And then they showed you ending B, and then they did the same thing after ending B, and they showed you finally ending C. This is what so really you happened. Get all three. Nice. Yeah, this is what really happened. And so I think ultimately that's the way it should have been shown in 1985. Yeah, but because they did this whole marketing thing, where they, they said. Oh, you go to the theater, you're going to get three different endings. I think it frustrated people. Like they didn't want to keep going to the movie to see the right. ending. Right. Yeah, so that's why um, it bombed. Yeah. But I thought that was really innovative for its time to like think of that. Like totally. I can't think of any other movie that uh tried to exhibit it that way, you know, and you don't know which ending you're going to get because it 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 ties into something that uh I wanted to tap into with this movie too of yeah. just um the problem with mysteries. Mm-hmm. So, um you know, I'm a big fan of, of murder mysteries and specifically de- uh, oh, yeah. detective stories in general. Like I like mm-hmm. mysteries, but um, one of the most like uh, I guess uh, postmodern like breakdowns of of mystery detective novels is this book called the the New York Trilogy by Paul Oster, um, and he talks about it of like the problem with mysteries is that you know um, once it's solved. Uh, the air is just like you know deflated yep. and you know it's just there's no fun in it and you can't really watch yeah. it again and then you know but I, I feel like this was the most creative way around it which is like let's present three different possibilities and it's up to you um, how you want to choose it and the the amazing thing too with um, I'm, I'm also wondering how it did it on VHS maybe it, it did it that same way where it's like it just shows all three endings but the DVD, actually, I, I read, um, or even maybe the Blu-ray now, has that option where you can pick the ending 
or it can do it for you randomly, or you can watch all three, which is incredible. Oh, that's pretty you know? That's cool. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um, it can be a new experience each time. And I right. and this was also the other thing for me. It's like, it is a rewatchable movie and it's really enjoyable, yeah. but I like having a huge gap between viewings to kind of forget a few things and come back to it and be like, oh, because it was surprising to me this this uh, viewing again, like, you know, um, obviously we're getting into spoilers here. So, you know, people yeah, can oh, yeah. just come back and, <laughs> and listen to this once they've seen it. But yeah, I, I completely forgot that there was that Miss Scarlet ending you know um right yeah i that she was behind everything <laughs> and that right. the yeah, um, that, that her that her and um yvette like she had had she, she had mm-hmm. yvette do like the first set of murders and then she did the last set yeah. yes yeah exactly and um yeah i think that's a good segue to to talk about the because I, I really do think the women are front and center of this movie more oh, than yeah. the male cast. Like they're so memorable. And, you know, Miss Scarlet oh, yeah. is obviously uh, played by um, Leslie Ann Warren. And I found out too, that originally it was supposed to be um, Carrie Fisher playing her role. Right. Uh, but uh, Carrie Fisher. Um, been so different. Yeah, yeah. Right. And um, I'm, I'm going to say, yeah, this was before return of the Jedi too. So, it's a very sexy role, um, <laughs> you know. Uh, obviously, yeah. with Return of a Jedi, um, uh, was the one where everybody like fetishized over Car- uh, Carrie Fisher. But I'm, I, you know, you just wonder if she was in this movie like that. You know, that would have been the case. Uh, but you know, Leslie Ann Warren is great. Um, she kind of reminds me of Susan Sarandon, but taller. <laughs> um, but yeah, she she's great in this, and um, I mean, I got it. I gotta give more love to to Madeline Kahn, man. She was like one of the great, yes. like, funny women. I mean, you know, Young Frankenstein, yes. obviously, and all her SNL performances. Um, man, and she, yeah, she passed away way too soon. And I mean, she's she's kind of restrained in this compared to her other roles. I feel, you know, sure. But at the same time, I gotta say, Madeline Kahn in this cast. Well, you know, it's a great cast. It's a cast of so many funny people who give great performances. But I really think Madeline Kahn was the MVP. Just <laughs> yeah. in in this in the rewatch of this movie, um, just the little things she adds. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of the fun thing about watching it. Like, so I watched it on Amazon Prime. I rented okay. it. The fun thing with having it dig- digitally is, you know, or even on a DVD is you, you can rewind it, watch certain things again. Mm-hmm. go back and there's so many clips where it's like her line <laughs> deliveries are so good oh, yeah. or it's something that she's it's something that she's doing she's having a reaction to someone else talk so it's like she so it's a scene that she's just um, standing next to the person who's talking and just she's doing something funny she's making a funny choice mm-hmm. she just has a lot of those and it's really easy to miss if you're just watching it live on Comedy Central. Sure. Yeah, yeah. It's a very subtle performance. Yeah. She maybe has some of the most iconic lines. You know, everyone knows that line where she's complaining about murdering Yvette and she's talking about how much she hates her. The flames and, and on my face. The flames. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I heard that she uh, she actually like improv that line. That wasn't in the original script. So yep. yeah, that just goes yep. to show, you know, that really talent. Yeah, she was amazing. And yeah. and just speaking to the cast, so I when I was watching it, I recognized Tim Tim Curry. Mm-hmm. Uh and I recognized Michael McKeon the first mm-hmm. time watching it. 
and I recognized Christopher Lloyd, but I didn't really know much of the other. Oh, and I recognized Leaving, the lead <laughs> Lee singer Ving. of Fear. I was like, oh, yeah. that, that's, <laughs> Mr. that's Body. singer and Fear. <laughs> Mr. Body, yeah. But I didn't really know the other actresses, you know, because um, I just wasn't as versed. And then I remember my my mom kind of walking into the room while I was mm-hmm. watching Clue. And she was like, she recognized everyone. And she was like shocked. Like, oh, my God, that's Madeline Kahn. That's Eileen Brennan. That's Leslie Ann <laughs> yeah. Warren. So it's like she knew everybody. And that's when it kind of started to hit me. Oh, this is an all-star cast. It is, yeah. This is like, it, it was beyond me when I was 14 or 15 watching it. But being yeah. able to watch it back now it's like oh they really they wrote a really funny movie about a board game and got a great cast which is like i can't imagine them nailing it like that now right um you know like pick a board game bat- battleship you know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly or like the much uh, rumored and hyped uh, but still nowhere near getting produced uh, monopoly uh movie (laughs) like what's that gonna be like you know um terrible yeah but like we also have to acknowledge um you know the uh what this movie spawned you know like knives out and ready or not which all which both came like recently came out a couple years ago um yeah they would not exist without clue like they are you know definitely like the bastard children i feel of clue you know (laughs) um and it's just crazy, like with Knives yeah. Out, that it, it's it's gonna get a sequel this year. I mean, it, I think Netflix like right. signed up to get three or four more movies produced, <laughs> and I, yeah. I I even feel That's like great. Knives Out is the lesser of the two. You know, I yeah. I, I prefer Ready or Not over um, Knives Out. Um, mm. uh, but yeah, going back to the cast, like I mean, you know, we can't ignore the heaving bosom that is <laughs> uh, Colleen Camp. You know. Uh, what a performance by yeah, her as, as well. Bet. Yeah, she kind of dominates, especially the first fifteen minutes. You know, <laughs> you know, as a young guy sitting on the couch, I you know I can't lie and say <laughs> that that wasn't one of the things that first draws you in to watching the movie. But it's it, it doesn't just stop there. Like she actually is funny. Yeah, Colin Camp. She delivers some lines that are like memorable. You know, yeah. so it's like it's it, she kind of rides that line where it's both. You know? Yeah, like the weeby line. <laughs> That's great. You remember that with Mrs. Peacock, yeah. like asking to use a bathroom, and she says, "Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, just yeah, great yeah. timing." Okay. Is there a bath? Oh yeah, it's funny. I, I, it's, it's funny. I actually wrote that down because I was like writing down my favorite quotes, and yeah. that, that was one of the ones that I wrote down. Was, <laughs> "Is there a bathroom?" Wee oui, wee, oui, madame. <laughs> no, I'm just gonna powder my nose. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Just brilliant. And then I mean, you know, even just the the whole thing of if you think it's a French caricature. It's revealed that it is like she's basically pretending to be a French maid, you, you know, like right. there's that reveal where she can actually just speak straight and she's in cahoots with uh, right. the killer, you know. Um, I mean, in even one version, she is the killer, you know. <laughs> so it's just amazing to me. So this was 1985. And then I mentioned that movie in an earlier episode of Valley Girl. And that was 1983. Mm-hmm. And she was playing a suburban, like, dressed-down mom in that one. I mean, she's still, like, she's, she's wearing, like, a ro- an aerobics outfit in one one scene. But other than that, it's just funny that, you know, it's like she... I, I thought, okay, th- that Valley Girl was the slight start of her kind of becoming, you know, less sexy and, like, you know, dressed down. But then 
all of a sudden this movie a, a couple years later comes out and she's like she still has it i mean even just hearing the um the story of how she got cast where they were considering all these other actresses but the fact that she actually went to her audition in that french made outfit like the director was like I, wow. yeah. <laughs> it's too hard to ignore yeah <laughs> so yeah. yeah that you know that plus she you know she did a really funny accent like the accent it's not just french it's like mm-hmm. it's like funny french yeah you know and so <laughs> and she she is using like genuine french expressions too because i'm learning french and it's like yeah, I, I i i get what she's saying <laughs> so yeah it's fantastic yeah i mean it is interesting how you know so in the board game, there's no Yvette, there's no Wadsworth, and there's no Mister. B- well, there is a Mister Body, but um, at, at least at least in the game that I played, there's mm-hmm. not a Wadsworth. I don't know if there's a Wadsworth in Cludel. No, no. Um, let me just look up what his name is actually real quick because I think it ties into um to the creator of the game because uh, Clue is by Parker Brothers, right? uh here in the u.s yeah so um the the board game i think uh in in cluedo is uh is made by waddington so i thought that was like a play on <laughs> on oh. that that you know because he yeah he, he is gotcha yeah yeah wadsworth, wadsworth. Yeah. so it's like it's almost like a uh a play on the um um on the creators of of the of the original board game yeah, Waddington's. <laughs> that was the name of the. Sure. So that's what I thought, and you know, because obviously he's um, he's okay. the one who basically solves the case, and I mean that was also a thing that just re- when you mentioned the movie, yeah. the first image that came to my mind is them running from one room to the other. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that was just like such an indelible image in my head. <laughs> yeah, know? where where Tim Curry as Wadsworth is explaining each step. Yeah, and then they're like get to it yeah you know and he he says something like you know is this taking too long and they're like too late i'm getting there (laughs) yeah that's an iconic scene that and when they're recounting how many bullets got fired in the gun and they're like it's it's one plus two plus one plus one no it's (laughs) one plus two plus two plus one yeah and I, i definitely could not keep up with that you know um yeah <laughs> like uh yeah i get confused oh. by <laughs> by numbers like that I, I can't add in my head yeah but it is fun when they're when he's kind of talking about how, how he solved it how wadsworth has solved it mm-hmm. and he's saying we we went into this room but someone wasn't there and he doesn't say who <laughs> and we went back in in the movie to that scene to see okay who wasn't there it, it's it's all right there. Like they put all the clues in the movie, which is neat. It's like you can see in the scene where they're in the kitchen, we're looking at the at the cook who's been stabbed. Mm-hmm. Um, Miss yeah, Professor Plum and um and Miss Peacock aren't there, and so it's like yeah. it's all and, oh and Yvette, and so it's like they really did think about every step, and they did it really well, and they did it really in a funny way, and it's a credit to them to kind of create these new characters like Yvette and Mr. And uh, Wadsworth and have them be really mm-hmm. memorable and good um, and stand out. You know? For sure. Yeah. Cause um, for those who haven't played the game, you are those characters that they mention in the game. Right. So it's like you're, you're in it. You're it's, it's very immersive, you know, and you, you might be the killer, but you don't even know it. And right. you know, it, it's funny how that's kind of evolved 
to like murder mystery parties. You know, uh, I don't know if you've ever been to one where, you know, like people go to a party no. and then one of them yeah. is a killer. And uh, yeah, actually, that would have been great to have James uh, Jr. come here because uh, he's been part of it. I, I think like the New Year's oh. Eve party he went to was a murder mystery party. And I even oh, just fun. have this memory as a kid in England where um, there was a murder mystery party um, uh, that my mom went to. And it was in the same like apartment building that we lived in. Uh-huh. And um, yeah. uh, and then it turned out that she was the killer, which I <laughs> was very amused by. Uh, but awesome. yeah, like it. Yeah, it, these are fun. <laughs> I would love to participate in one in the future. Uh, but yeah, it's just. It, that is the thrill. It's like you, you're investigating this crime you possibly mm-hmm. committed yourself, you know. Um, so, yeah, in, in a way, like uh, adding these new characters, um, it it makes you think more about, OK, that it, it doesn't have to necessarily be. And then that kind of what right. ends up happening in the ending is that it's not the usual characters that you would suspect, you know. Um, right. So that was a, a real nice touch. Well, I, I did want to just touch on the the comedy of it that mm-hmm. it, it's like it's both it's both it's at times it's a spoof like it feels mm-hmm. like the, it's like really outrageous at times but then at other times it's like the jokes are like it's it's um it's visual it's wordplay it's the speed at which they're talking mm-hmm. there's a lot of physical comedy there's a lot, also just a lot of like sex jokes mm-hmm. You know, which yes. is like, I, I you know, just in watching it, it was kind of like I kind of was was getting of of just like, oh, this is kind of a horned up movie, in in a way, you know, like Professor Plum, Colonel Mustard can't keep his hands. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Plum and Mustard are just all over everybody. Miss Scarlet is just like really aggressive and in getting into everybody's space. Yvette is putting yeah. herself into everyone's face. You know, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean that outfit, it's, it's just yeah. Yeah, it is hard to ignore. So, yeah. And then the other thing I, I kind of realized with the comedy. So it's set in in 1954 um, was mm-hmm. was kind of what it says at the beginning. <clears throat> yeah. And so in a way, it's kind of interesting. So they make the choice of making Mr. Green be gay. And like yes, Michael McKean, they kind yeah. of do. And like they kind of hint that. He that somehow this is part of a secret that maybe he's keeping or like a secret that he doesn't want to get out. And that's so that that's why he's being blackmailed. Oh, they kind of keep that part vague, but by putting it in 1950, it kind of allows some like understanding of like, okay, I guess in 1950, maybe people are like that, but they also, <laughs> there's something, there's something like progressive about it in a way too, where it's like, uh-huh. they don't hammer that point home. Like there's not any like gay shame or like, um, mm. I don't know. It's like it's done in a way that like doesn't feel too um I don't know, intense or gnarly about it. Like um Sure, yeah, yeah. I mean, it does it yeah. does also plays on on the last in terms of a social manner aspect of like mm-hmm. uh you know, when they they all get split into pairs, he ends up yeah. <laughs> even though like Professor Plum it, or Colonel Mustard would prefer to be with Yvette, he ends up with Yvette. And right, know, yeah, yeah. It's perfect because you know, he <laughs> He pretends to basically yeah. have no interest in her whatsoever. But, you know, do you remember the last line of the movie of the supposed real yep. ending? Yeah. <laughs> Which is, I That's think I'm going to go lines. to my wife. Yeah. It's a great line. And yeah, Michael McKean is. He's amazing. so funny. In the, in the, yeah. He's amazing. Movie. I mean, you know, 
Yeah. So when you were saying you recognize him, you recognize him from Spinal Tap. Is that where you? Yeah. So watching it in the 90s, he had been in enough comedies. So I knew him as a comedic actor. I think he he might have been in like Wayne's World too. Like I'm not sure. Like oh, he, okay. he was just in that. He's just in that world. Yeah. Where yeah, for sure he's in the Christopher Guest films. Yes. Spinal which Tap. I love. He yeah. might even he might have even have had a run on SNL. Like I kind of don't mm-hmm. quite remember. I think he was also like a yeah. voice on The Simpsons. Uh, I'm not I'm not mm, positive yeah, about that, that. So people can correct. I mean, he obviously was as a guest in because Spinal Tap was a guest on on The Simpsons. But I, I was wondering if he was actually. Uh, I just kind of like have this vague memory that I saw his name in the credits. You know. Um, outside of the Spinal Tap episode, so I don't know if he's he was like a recurring uh, guest, uh, but yeah, like um, yeah, he's great. Um, yeah, and the, I also love with the with the color like coding of the characters because obviously on the game, your piece is you know the color of of the name of the yeah. character, uh, but they didn't uh, overdo it with the movie. Instead of having the colors right. be like their outfits, like they don't match, but like you know, Miss Scarlet is obviously wearing a green dress, uh, but obviously her ha- hair is red. But the way that they kind of yeah they kind of tied it in was their cars. You know, the cars are the color that match their names. You know, which was I thought right. very clever. You know, and very subtle. That was so good. Yeah. yeah. And then like Miss White was in all black. <laughs> you know. Yeah, um, exactly. That's a good point. And she was pale. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. and then Madeline yeah. Kahn is a famous redhead and you know she was obviously wearing like a black right. wig for this movie so <laughs> yeah she's so good and then the other just kind of like plot points that I noticed that I thought were kind of interesting was that Professor Plum works for the World Health Organization and he, he <laughs> yes. I don't know if you saw he makes a lot of jokes kind of in reference to the World Health Organization being corrupt. I don't know if. You oh man, that. I missed that. No, I didn't even get that. I just found it funny that yeah, the the acronym. He does a lot of like subtle things, like um, someone says something about there's a lot of scoundrels in Washington, and then he'll say something <laughs> like, "Well, you should see the UN," or or or, or so you know, like <laughs> something about his his line of work. Yeah, because um the the acronym of the organization that he works for is United Nations Organization, and then WHO is a division of that. So it's like Uno WHO, like that's the, yeah. that's the acronym <laughs> of, of of the organization he works that's awesome. for. Yeah, but I I didn't realize the corruption angle. Like I I told that totally went over my head, man. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, well, I think that's what he's being blackmailed for. There's some kind of mm. well that and the psychiatry stuff. Um, yeah, that, that is another thing that I like that they added to the movie that isn't in the board game is that why is everybody in that house? You know, um, yeah. I think it was just implied in the board game from what I remember that there was like some sort of social event or a party and they happened to all be there and then the murder happened. Uh, but this one, like adding this whole thing of like, they, you know, there's blackmail, there's conspiracy and like who is blackmailing them. You know, it, it, I thought that was just, yeah, a great touch, you know, and added more depth to to the movie, which is basically based on a board game. You know, you wouldn't expect that. Yeah, my overall impression after re- re-watching it is just, I'm just amazed that they executed it so f- well. And it's, they kept it short. Like, all, mm-hmm. you know, we've been talking about how all these movies now go an hour 50 or, you know, mm-hmm. you know, or over two or hours. Over, and it's just so, 
it's so nice to yeah to see a movie that's like 85 minutes or however long it is maybe a little over an hour and a half with the three endings that it's just like it gets there fast Mm -hmm. it's so nice yeah and i think for um for murder mysteries you prefer like a tight story that is like you know um it's paced very well and yeah there's there's never a moment in the movie where it wavers like it always is just like on you know (laughs) like from the from the get-go like you're you're in it and you know it's funny how you mentioned the the comedic aspects of it like you still feel that there's something at stake you know even as a murder thing and i think uh you know just to bash uh, knives out (laughs) because i I love to bash ryan johnson movies and i hope he's listening um no but (laughs) i I think actually knives out is one of uh ryan johnson's better movies but the the main flaw of knives out is one it's not very funny like you know there's some like jokes in the movie but the like i i really I'm not a fan of the Daniel Craig character and his fake uh, Southern accent, you know, but um, yeah, the main issue with it is that it's, and this is actually the main issue with most Ryan Johnson movies. It's too clever for its own good. You know, like I always feel like I'm being like talked down or like somebody is, is saying like, look how clever I am, you know, Uh, whereas this film, it has none of these pretensions, but at the same time, like it has that, that ability to create something that's thrilling and funny at the same time, you know, and I, I I don't think like Jonathan Lynn, the director gets enough credit for that, you know, um, cause he, yeah. it's interesting. This is his first movie and, um, he's kind of been a journeyman director. Uh, he's probably, uh, aside from this movie, uh, his, his biggest hit was probably, um, uh, or the one that he's most well known for is, uh, my cousin Vinny, because, you know, it won, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Joe Pesci and, uh, Marissa, Oh no, Marissa Tomei won an Oscar. I don't think Joe Pesci won. Um, but uh, you know, that was that was a big one, but that was kind of like the peak. And then I mean, now I guess he's more well known for this movie, but I want to shout out actually another movie he made that I really enjoyed, which actually I'd been watching way before this because it was like a regular HBO movie was uh this movie called Greedy with Michael J. Fox and um uh Kirk Douglas. Uh, it's, it's, it's a really amazing movie. I, for some reason, I always lump it in with, um, uh, with Adam's family values. Cause it was like playing around the same time and it has that kind of feel. It's also another movie that's ma- mainly set in a mansion. Uh, it's based on a novel called McTeague. Um, and, uh, it's actually the basis for another silent movie classic called greed by Eric von Stroheim, which everybody loves. But I think this like updated version is great. And it also has like a great ensemble cast and the premise of it is basically um you know it's this family waiting for this patriarch to die and they're all trying to get into his good graces so they end up getting his inheritance you know so there Uh there's that that tension there again and the humor as well it's brilliant good so well good um i'm just going through my notes we can wrap up soon um sure I only have I only have just a couple more notes, like some of, some of the other lines I wrote down. So this okay. is one that yeah. Ma- Madeline Kahn Madeline Kahn says: "Husbands should be like Kleenex, soft, strong, and disposable." That's really oh good. my god, <laughs> that's so fantastic! Yeah. Man. And then and then the other one, it's it's kind of quick. There's a scene I think when um it's either the motorist or the the police officers in the house, and so everyone's kind of on high alert, trying to hide all the bodies. Yeah. And they go, I think they, the, 
the motorist is like safely in another room. And so they're going to go check on all the bodies. And so Colonel Mustard looks in a door where the bodies are. Mm -hmm. And someone says, is everything all right? And he says, yep, two corpses. Everything's fine. (laughs) (laughs) And so it's just like, just how fast, you know? Yeah. I mean, even, even just like the, the cops uh, bit where, you know, he, he starts to check into the other rooms and they, they kind of try to, um, to show that the bodies are still alive you know with the right. making out with the bodies i mean the cook by the window just like i lost and it and they're just having like a sexy party yeah <laughs> as if like the blood dripping from the head is obvious isn't obvious <laughs> yeah the cop comes and like smells the, the guy's breath and he's like this guy's dead drunk and they're like yep basically yeah uh and the yeah my other my only other kind of closing thoughts um I think I, I already said one. Yeah, everyone was way more horned up than I remember <laughs> watching it like as a kid. Yeah, it's interesting now as an adult, right? To see it as an adult. Yeah, because isn't it a is it a PG rated movie? I think it's rated PG. That's a good question. <laughs> yeah, it could be like you know, there's no nudity, there's no, no. real violence. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe I don't yeah. know. It's hard to know. Just the fact that they said it in the 1950s which is kind of a smart way where they can get away with all the kind of sexual harassment and like the, yeah, just all the storylines. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's like a little small plot mm-hmm. device, you know, to, you know, to have it be in 1954, mm-hmm. but it just kind of sets you at ease as a viewer. That's like, okay, like I can just enjoy this because this happened a long time ago or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, I'd love it more now having, having rewatched it, you know? Yeah. Um, and being able to kind of go back and remember why I liked it. Yeah. It, and, and yeah, just, just in closing, yeah. M- Mrs. White and Miss Scarlet were just our total standouts. Yeah. It's fantastic. And I, I, I feel like, um, yeah, it's, gr- it's a rewatchable movie. Um, I, just for me, it's just like, I feel it's better to have gaps in between the rewatches, but it's also a great movie to share with people, yeah. you know, like you can watch this at a party or like somebody you're dating and you want to show them this movie. It's a fun movie to watch together, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah. Totally works. Clue. Yep. <laughs> we did it. And it's a uh, PG, PG rated. <laughs> I just yeah. looked it up. Oh, go oh, good. It's oh, rated excellent. PG. Yeah. <laughs> See, See, like there are good PG movies. That's the, that, that's a good thing to like, remember that's like, you, you know, just cause something's an R um, doesn't mean it's going to be good, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's just the excitement of an, a potential R movie and R rating. That's really it. But, like, um, it's interesting because one of my friends, um, Marcus, he, you know, he had a kid recently. And, you know, Marcus is such a big movie fan. And it's mm. one of the questions I asked him is, like, you know, what movies are you going to be showing him, you know, as he's growing older? And I just to think, like, what movies can you see and I've uh, yeah, I've been thinking about it. So it's like, oh yeah, movies. Uh, there are these really good like G-rated or PG-rated movies that kids can see, right. you know. Um, and it's a good introduction to movies for them too, especially in in, in the 1980s where it's like there, yeah. there were a lot of movies that that were well lit and not overly. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a ton of overly dramatic music in it, so it's like as a kid, it, it's when things are it's when things are dark. And when the, there's a lot of mm-hmm. musical tension, the kids feel that way more than the adults. And so it's like, if you can put something that's like well lit, sometimes that's enough to kind of like not make it be scary. You know what I mean? 
and so I think a movie like Clue kind of falls right in there. It's very well lit. There's nothing spooky about mm-hmm. it. You know? Right. And I mean, just even that year, 1985, this was actually the second Christopher Lloyd movie that year because, yeah. you know, he was also in Back to the Future, the big hit of the summer. And that's another great PG rated movie, you know? So totally. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. He had, he had a great year. Well, he totally did. All right, man. Well, let's wrap this one up. Um, sure. You know, you can follow us on Twitter. We're at, at Movie Food Pod. Um, and yes. uh, we can follow you on Letterboxd at Astrofish. Yes. And um, if you want to follow my, my Mosh Pit highlight videos that I've been doing, it's uh, Pit Hits on YouTube. And uh, nice. your Instagram, uh, your record one. Yeah, so um, I have to spell it out for people. So it's wreck as in like uh, shipwreck. So W-R-E-C-K-C-H-O-R-D-S. So wreck chords. So chords as in musical chords. Yeah, records. Um, yeah, I'll, yeah. I was saying earlier, I'm posting um, some hot singles, some Valentine singles all yeah. week. So yeah. And then I think for our next step, well, we're still trying to figure it out, but there might be a little bit of a Valentine theme. We'll see. Yeah, like we'll see. We shall see. <laughs> a quick cut or the full app. All right. Yeah. Till next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.